Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. While we were there, we did a lot of other things as well. It was a very fruitful trip. We really sensed the grace of God over the two weeks that we were there. So this morning, what we're going to do is we are going to just have some conversations about what God was saying and doing and and how the church is going over there. So if you will, can we please put our hands together for the Zambia team? Come on, guys, come up. But the girl stitched him up. <laughs> That's what's happened there. Yeah, we'll all dance together. And then the poor bloke, oh my word. That was good. Okay. All right. All right. Did someone video that, by the way? Please tell me someone videoed that. Okay. So um, we've got two microphones that we're going to share around today. And uh, why don't you hand that down to the ladies at the end there? So, um, I would like to introduce to my left, to your right, we have Karen, as many of you will know. We have Trevor in the middle, one of the elders in the house here. Uh, we have Perio, second and, and the young legend, Madison King, who did a really good job over there. Can we put our hands together for the team? So, uh, we also had Tom Locker, who was with us on the team. But he's actually ministering over in Allenbrook this morning, talking a little bit, a bit about Zambia over there. And um, I'm going to be your your uh, interviewer this morning. So um, if you don't mind, can we just share a little bit? First of all, what compelled you to want to go to Zambia this year in this uh, in, in the trip that we've just had? All right. Well, God and Perio compelled me to go to Zambia, but no, <laughs> it was good. Um, look, I was just in a mindset where I had so much on and I think it's when I just had that quiet time of God and I just realized like, I'm going to go, I'm going to be obedient. Um, this is my heart. And when I went to my, the first meeting with, as a team, I just loved the hearts and the motivation going to Zambia. And I'm like, here we go. Lord, I'm going. I uh, am a bit senior, but I've never been on a missions trip. And so I have been wanting to go on a missions trip for quite some time. Either India or Africa didn't really bother me. Um, and I sort of had that on my heart for quite a period. And uh, with this African venture that we've had over the, what, six, seven, eight years that we've been going, when they received the parcel of land where we were actually going to uh, launch the church in this particular trip I've always had a keen interest in that particular space and really when they said that we were going to launch the church in in uh, Watika as it's called I just said oh, I feel like I've got to go so I put my hand up to say can I go I actually never did want to go to a mission trip um, I always <laughs> I always that everybody else can go and I will be home and pray 
uh, but God's had a different ideas. And uh, so about three years ago, I promised God that I will go. And uh, so I did have to keep that promise. And I, I just knew that if you promise something to God, you better keep it. And I'm glad that I did go. And uh, yeah, it was just awesome trip. Um, I've always had a heart for missions. Um, I went to India about 10 years ago and Africa just has always been on my heart. And um, I felt like God was just saying, you need to go. And he made a way and yeah, I went. Great, wonderful. While we're on you, Madison, uh, and we're going to come back this way, give us a highlight or two of the trip. Many people here have no idea about Africa or going on mission. Um, but for you personally, each of you personally, give us give us a highlight. Um, we had the women's conference from Monday to Thursday, and we got to meet all of the uh, the women in the church. And we had um, three days of prayer and worship and messages, and we just got to worship and praise together. And it was they just they have such a heart for God, and just being there in their presence and being in God's presence, it was just. It was amazing and I've experienced nothing like it and it was amazing. So just some context there. They've never had a women's conference before. This is a women's conference of about uh, 20 or 30 women, about 30 women. Started with about, I think, 10. 10, and just grew. Normally what happens is conferences wane as the days progress. That didn't happen. And who who were the keynote speakers of this conference? (laughs) Us, Karen, Iria, myself. Those three, they're your keynote speakers right there. Uh, so they were thrown in the deep end a little bit, um, but they did a brilliant job. Okay, wonderful. And uh, highlights for you, Perio? Yeah, my highlights was to uh, the women's conference. The heart for God, what they had, it was amazing. And when they praise and worship, we have no idea what we're doing here. You all should come into Zambia one day and see and it's not like when you see on the TV, they jumping up and down and go crazy, but they it's coming from the heart. When they worship and praise, there's no quiet person at the church. The whole, everybody sings, everybody prays God. And a Sunday service, wow. When I was standing here and I thought, I missed that Sunday service, what we had it in Zambia. It was full on, full on praise and worship. And even I sang well without my voice. I don't have a singing voice, but I don't know. I'm just praising and worshiping God because it was so awesome. We're missing out something here, guys. Yeah. Starts. Uh, yes. So Peria's going to join the praise team here. Uh, so can we, on that point, I think it's number three or number four. There's a video in there, Wes, of at the launch in Watika uh, of, of uh, the people praising. Can we put that up, please? Many of these people don't, uh, don't know English, so... Uh, no, it's in Watchinger. There we go. That was a welcome. They had rehearsed this welcome for us. white fellas dancing there. It's 
So a lot of these people didn't even know the songs, but they were getting into it. Wonderful. And, and Scotland had never been to church before, which was absolutely brilliant. That was our launch. Fantastic. Okay, highlight for your trip. Yes, so you can see I was clearly unaffected by the trip at all. Um, but yeah, those particular grabs, you saw the, the welcome that we got. That's kind of why I was inspired to do it a little jig for you this morning. Um, what did you call it, Trevor? What? A jig. A jig. A little bit of a jig, yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's good. I've got two left feet, but it's fine. Um, one of my other highlights was, in fact, uh, that there's just the thirst and hunger they have for Jesus. So I kind of went without any understanding. You know, I just said, I want to go to this mission trip without any understanding what I would actually meet there. And I had to kind of step out in faith and trust God that he would actually reveal to me why I was even there in, in some respects. And uh, I got the opportunity to do the Leading Well course and just to see the hunger and thirst that they want to know about how I can be a better Christian and how I can actually help lead other people really inspired me and uh, really was a highlight. And yeah, my other highlight was clearly the opening of the this, this um, other church, knowing full well that most of those people really hadn't known Jesus very long at all. They're a very young church. And so they're, again, their hunger and thirst, their celebration, all of that was just uh, wonderful to me. Well, Maddie Imperio spoke about the Women's Conference. We actually walked into there with no nothing, no plan, but the Holy Spirit um, made a way. And I'm just very proud of Perio Maddie. They stepped up, you know, they don't speak usually and to step up and to minister and to preach to women that they've only met for the first time. I'm really proud of these, but both of them, they just have a heart for God and for the ladies. But my highlight I also want to talk about is Alpha. We, Trevor and I had the privilege of running Alpha for three days. And we came in with a mindset that we just, we want to just show you how to run alpha in your community. So two days we do training on the third day, we actually got them to do the whole alpha by themselves. And we acted like new people, like, and we walked in, like we wanted to be greeted and how you, and we had a facilitator and it was about 14 youth and young adults. And there was one moment uh, where we looked at each other and they were just interacting and discussing and running at alpha we both looked at it and went whoa god you're so good they just you know like they were experts at running alpha it was just a god moment so we just were there just to you know encourage them and challenge them and to speak out step up and say you can do this this is a tool that's been given to us and it's a great tool to get out your community and bring a lot of people to Jesus. So that was a highlight. I loved it. Loved their hearts. They were so hungry to learn, to be trained. And they took ownership of it. I was like a proud mama that day. Uh, so you mentioned before about challenges. It's been a uh, uh, great highlights. But how were you personally challenged um, going to a foreign country, doing ministry nonstop for a couple of weeks? Jet lagged. Some of us were, we felt a little bit ill, but we just kept on going. Uh, what were some things that really, uh, that you found hard to contend with? I think for me, obviously we had sickness. We were like, oh, lost our voice. I lost my voice on the day that we were doing the prophetic <laughs> meeting, but the Lord provided, got us through. 
But I think the mindsets, I think I didn't want to come in with a Western mentality thinking, I'm going to show you how I went in there. Like, how do I serve you? What is God saying? And that was firstly changing my mindset. And obviously when we got there, it was just trying to get them to see what they're capable like to use their gift because in Africa, the churches do rely on the pastor a lot to do everything. Uh, the pastor said this, I'll go to the pastor. And we will encourage them just to use their gift and to do team well and partner with the local church and the community and not put all the pressure on the pastor. Pastor Alex's face was just so like, yes, yes. You know, he was so happy because that's when I was sharing, we were sharing, he was like, this is what I've been praying for. And so we were all on the same page, even what Pastor Alec was praying for and what he expected from this whole two weeks that we came together. And um, the other challenge was, it was just like, it, it was a good challenge because it actually brought me into perspective of how good we've got it here, but also how blessed and and how much of an attitude makes a difference. The church bus broke down a few times. We had this beautiful woman's event planned. We were going to do a bride, which is a barbecue. Um, and we were going to this park and I asked the men to come and cook. It was a hot day and the bus kept breaking down all the way there. It was like, you know, it was, it, and on, on, and on Sunday on our church plant going up, it broke down nine times, but you know what? I was sitting there and it was hot. And I'm thinking the chicken, the meat, there's no esky, there's the cake is melting. And I'm like, this is supposed to be a good day, God, in the bus. But you know what? The ladies, I've got a video of it. They were praising God through the whole thing, singing songs. And the Lord just went, this. And it just, I just sang with them and I mucked around and I forgot about everything else. And it was just a beautiful moment of just get over yourself. There's two buses when we went out to Wotika. So just to put that into a bit of context, yeah, just to put that in a bit of context for you, on the Saturday before the Wotika, which is about 50, 60 k's out of town, and then if you look at that particular bit of road, it's about 10, 15 k's in on a track. It's not even a road. It's just, my Prado would have struggled. So... We took buses in there and, and because we had such a volume of people on the Saturday, some of the young people went out in the bigger bus and took all the chairs and took all the sound system and everything out there to get this thing organized and a generator to have power and all that sort of stuff. And then the bus came back. That's why it broke down about nine times. And we were worried that we had such a crowd that we wanted to take from Livingston Central that we got a second bus, which was that green bus, which wasn't much better than the white bus. <laughs> and on the way back, there's a few little hills and we decided we didn't want to bring all the 15 or 16 people that went out on the Saturday in two hits. We decided to pile them all into the two buses. So we were crammed in. That was about a 12-seater. I'm sure we had about 15 to 20 in there. And then there was another white bus that I'm sure had about 30 people in it. And so we're coming back and that was just a small incline, but the bus just didn't have enough grunt to even get up the hill. So we had to pile them all out and push. So that's when you talk about frustrations, um, you know, we don't realize how good we've got it here is the bottom line to that, which is kind of where my couple of challenges were. Um, I really struggled with African time. I'm a, I'm a real structured kind of guy and I kind of know, and I really like to honor people's time, right? So, you know, meetings start on time, 
you finish on time and you respect their time. And so my very first introduction to African time was that I was on doing Leading Well Friday, which just after we arrived on Thursday, I was on Friday and I was to start at three o'clock. And so I'm all prepared. I didn't know what to expect. First missions trip, had no idea. Didn't know how the language barrier would go. How am I going to interact with these people? The whole bit. And I'm panicking, panicking, panicking. And time was one of the things I thought this would just be fine. I've got a three o'clock. I start, I go, I've got PowerPoint slides I want to put up. So I've got to get my laptop all sorted out and make sure all that's work. I got picked up at 10 to three and I started to panic and I get there at three o'clock and there's no one there. <laughs> and so I had plenty of time to get my laptop set up. And then we got started and I had a lot of content to try to get into and I wanted to honor their time. So I finished when I expected I should have been finished, but I had to come to terms with that because that was exactly the whole time. Every time, any time when you did anything, you're at least half an hour. It's nearly an hour's late. So I'm sorry to tell you this morning, but we were going to finish at about quarter to 12, but we might finish at one, two, we don't care. The other challenge I really did have too, and look, um, you know, missions trips, you think you're going to mission trip, you go into a country where they're probably not as well off as you are. It, well, that was a real highlight to me. It, yeah, they were definitely not as well off as I was. And I, I really had to quickly come to terms with how very fortunate my personal life is and, and all of that thing. But me being a guy, we all like to fix stuff. So I started to think, well, how are they in this situation? How can they actually better themselves? And I, I really struggled again with the fact that the government does not invest in the land, the government does not do any improvement. There's no opportunity for um, them to create employment. 90% unemployment in, in you know, that town. I and mean, we're just people walking on the streets because they don't have cars and all that sort of stuff. So to me, that was another real eye-opener for me that I really struggled through and, and had to come to terms with that there is countries out there that you know, we are such fortunate. Just on that point, just so you understand, in Livingston, it's a, it's it's not atypical of a lot of uh, African places. I was talking to one of the leaders about uh, one of the pastors about employment and unemployment and finance and so forth. So um, they said, yeah, it's it's ninety uh, percent or more do not have jobs. I'm like, okay, so how do people how do people live? The government helps support. He goes, no, what why? The government don't give money except a little bit for uh, the very older people. So I said, so where do they get their money from? They go, well, they go day by day. They try and help take shopping from someone uh, from the shops to the car. Or they might uh, find something, they'll try and sell it. It's day by day. It's literally day by day for many of the people. And so when you come to them and you talk to them about trusting God with finances, to even talk to them giving a portion of your income and trusting God, they don't even have an idea of what they're going to eat that night, many of them, because our church ministers to people that have very little to nothing. That, that's the fact of the matter. And, and then you can see a, a cultural clash of, for us, we have so much that we plan for weeks, months, years in advance. Many of them aren't thinking beyond next week. And so it's very much a survival mentality. Ours is a planning to uh, move forward. Theirs is just... It's basically hand to mouth. That's what it is for them. And so when we come there and we talk as a church, we really want to help teach them, not just give to them, to teach them to trust God, but be good stewards of finances. 
And so I remember a conversation with one of the pastors. He said to me, oh, so how many people um, have jobs over in, in Perth where you're from in Australia? I said, oh, unemployment, I think uh, it's got to be well under 6%. So the vast majority of people have jobs. He says, oh, he says, I said, in fact, there are many employers and they can't find people to employ. He says, what do you mean? He said, I, I said, well, some people just prefer or choose not to work. <laughs> and he goes, what? Why? They, they, they don't work. Well, where do they get money from? I said, well, the government supports them. He says, the government give the money for what? I said, well, exactly. <laughs> some people can't work, but some people choose to work. And it's so hard for them to comprehend the lifestyle that we're living over here. So an example um, I saw that of how desperate you know a couple was, there was a gentleman I caught up with. Uh, he helped us start the church many years prior. He has a family of uh, four children with his wife. He has a home which is, um, it's it's extraordinarily small. It's it's prob the 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 home actually probably if you imagine from where I'm sitting to Madison and then maybe three meters across, that's his whole house. And I said, listen, have you had lunch today? After I met with him, he goes, no. I said, can I, if I give you some money, some quacha, can you buy yourself some lunch, and also buy your your wife some lunch, take her, have a good meal? And he says, yes, yes, I can, Pastor. Thank you so much. He says, can I just ask? Is it okay if I use that money just to buy some, um, some milli meal, which is like some maize? Now, the same amount of money would feed maize, uh, milli meal. They use it for something called shimmer, which is like pup or sadza or whatever it is in Africa. They have different nations called different things. And that would feed them for a whole month. So we give them big bags of maize. So I said, absolutely, use the money, buy that for your family. And then I also gave them a little bit on top of that. That only cost about $17 to feed him for a month. So church, when you give through appeals at Christmas time or faith offering and we allocate money, you got to know the seed that was in your hand that you gave, it gets multiplied over there. It really does because a couple, couple of cups of coffee for us will feed them for a long time. Thank you for being diligent. Thank you for being generous. I'm so blessed as, as a servant, as a brother, as a pastor, to be able to join in with a family that does good in a foreign land. And the hampers as well. Oh, tell us about the hampers. So part of the faith offering, um, uh, Pastor Tom um, gave us some funds at the women's conference and we planned that to use it. And we asked Vera, who's Pastor Alex's wife, can you help us um, allocate these funds because we want to bless the church and uh, she said that there's some elderly ladies that actually walk hours to come to church. So what we did is uh, Maddie and Piri went shopping and we all put the hampers and we got them to put there and we got shimmer, big bag, um, like it's like corn flour and we got all these little bits and pieces in bags. They were so overwhelmed. They were crying. They were just so grateful. And that gets to feed their family for, for weeks. And we were just so blessed to be in a position. So thank you, church, for helping us provide food for those women. Back on the challenges, Perio. Yes, my um, actually my biggest challenge was... Um, Preaching, I have never done that. Uh, I have been a testimonies and a few words in here, but the, actually a preach in front of the ladies there. And uh, But 
God was there. It's amazing that when I did open my mouth and, uh, yes, I was preparing something else and then halfway there when I was preaching, uh, God changed everything. And uh, so I was able to give in a word for lots and lots of ladies. And uh, so that's sort of like a, I grew up what God did up there. And uh, another challenge uh, was I think there is a photo of me walking with the lions. I was holding the lion's tails and I was walking and uh, with them. So that was a, and they did, I was in a group of 10 people. I was only white person there and uh, oldest one. And up there, they did put me first to do everything, uh, to bat the lions and walking with them. And because they think that the white person is more, you know, capable to do it than they can. And I suppose they were just testing if I coming back with all my body parts. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Perio, um, she hadn't preached, but she was flowing in the prophetic with the women's giving, you know, very clear, direct, specific words to these ladies. Uh, that's what faith does. Fantastic. Um, my challenge was speaking in front of people. <laughs> um, I don't like doing it and before I left I was very afraid and um, every day leading up to the day I spoke which was Wednesday um, I had peace just peace like so much peace and I wasn't worried I didn't have any anxiety I had nothing and like I was just able to speak and even now like it's just continued so yeah that's pretty much it. That's so good. So what did God teach you? What did God teach you through this trip? Um, to rely on his strength because we can't do it in our own strength. It's not possible. I couldn't have done it by myself if I didn't have God supporting me. If I wasn't praying, if I didn't have people praying for me, I wouldn't be speaking in front of people um, and sharing my story and having an impact on the ladies who and so you had a reference uh, from Exodus what do you share from that for us the Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation this is my God and I will praise him my father's God and I will ex exalt him they're brilliant when wonderful okay Piri what did the Lord teach you that is much better to give than receive um, when I was there uh God really showed me how blessed we are in our country. And when you go there and see the people, they have nothing. They walk miles to church barefoot, barely clothed. We have everything here. We have cars, we got homes, we got food for every day. We don't have to struggle really. So God really showed me what is his, the most important thing. Are we willing to open our hearts when it's coming to faith offering, when it's coming, whatever? Are we willing to give to God? Or are we thinking, okay, I will give you dollars here because I got some extra. 
that really, really touched my heart so much that I hope that I can remember that always. Always when it's coming for that. That I'm willing to give rather than receive. Yes, it's nice to receive. But, yeah, giving it so... Uh, yeah, I also, on a fairly similar note, um, God really humbled me. Uh, I reflected on my life and how well off I really was in that respect. And uh, it, it kind of drew me into what it, what has God called me to do. It, it made me have a really lot of personal reflection of why has God got me here? Why am I fortunate to be in Perth as opposed to why... If I grew up in Zambia, what what would my life look like in that respect? So I was kind of humbled and, and drawn down to that. It says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can com confidently say, the Lord is here, is my helper. I will not fear. And what we what can man do to me? And so I was reflecting on that particular thing and I actually put myself into the shoes of the Zambian people and and kind of started to reflect that well this is all they know this is where their life is and so what God taught me is that you still have a message even in this space you might come from a completely different culture completely different um, circumstances but we can always come back to that Jesus is still going to be their sufficiency Jesus is still going to provide for them and, and and what we need to do is continually teach them about Jesus, which um, really then taught me that um, I need to be a little bit more um, conscious of that I'm well off and others aren't. So much so in that in the past, and I think Perio kind of reflected on it earlier, I looked at missions and I said, yep, missions is great. I will support missions. I will give money to missions. I've got some money. That's fine. And I'll put it towards missions. But I then kind of push it out of my mind. I, I kind of then just say, thank you, Jesus. That's someone else's job now. But God's now challenged me and say, actually, it's not someone else's job. We're all in the missions field. And the missions field is actually not just in Zambia. There's a mission field right here in Perth. And so... I need to take a little bit more proactivity in making sure that I'm reaching the lost. And so that's what God challenged me about. Definitely. Um, definitely hope, boldness to, to get out there more and joy and humility. Um, their hearts just, and their character just displayed Jesus. It was just really humbling to watch that. And I think what really impacted me is that they carry real hope and joy despite their struggles like it's contagious like you could be thinking oh my goodness I'm feeling so hot but their joy and it just makes you smile and laugh with them and sing and it was just beautiful and it actually challenged me and it made a difference in the core of my life because sometimes you hear you do the normal thing you come to church you do your thing sometimes you can get in a rut and you think oh and it becomes religion it actually pushed me out of that comfort zone and out of that religious mindset. I don't want to be religious. I want to do what God's called me to do. And 
it really, we don't go to missions here locally or globally to be heroes or help them. Like we're from Australia, we're going to help you. No, we're here to serve the body of Christ. Like we do here, we have to go with the same mentality to serve the body of Christ. And I found this quote saying, doing things with people, not for people, should be the motto always. My scripture reference was Psalm 96, 1 to 3. It says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the very good. Um, uh, in terms of a couple of people talking about how blessed we are over here and how challenging that is, I, uh, where we were staying at the lodge next to us, there was a local Zambian lady that had married an Englishman that was in town with their two boys to see family. And as we were talking, he was telling me about his family that was in Zambia. Well, his wife's mother and grandmother who was living in Zambia. He as an Englishman uh, was quite well off back home in England and uh, had resource well behind him and could support the local family here in Zambia. But this lady, her mother prefers to live in a very simple, unpowered, small little house in a compound. And many of the people would prefer that. So I'm there going, oh, she chooses to not have electricity. She chooses to not have a bigger house. She chooses to just hear the sound of the kids running outside. And that was, again, a reminder, very confronting, that we think that, that we know better a lot of the time, whether we say it or not. But the simplicity and the beauty of contentment of people that don't have what we have. And I was encouraging the team, I said, when you go there, be mindful of mindset that says we are coming because we know better. That is such that, that that is the height of arrogance. As we go with a humble disposition, let's see how the Lord can shape us. And again, I was impacted by the humble uh, contentment that we see in people in much of the world that don't, that don't have. We're actually in the wealthy class. We've got to remind it of that, the top echelon. So final question is, how has then God shaped you, probably a number of ways, but how has God shaped you, transformed you, changed you as a result of this trip? Um, I got impacted um, quite heavily with just having more confidence in sharing the word. Um, praying for people, which I've never really done before. And I was on fire. I was praying for every woman that I could um, and just trying to get in his word more. Be, um, I didn't look at my phone. I didn't go on Facebook. I didn't um, go on social media. I just read a book, a good book. And I just enjoyed being um, in his presence like I haven't been before. So, yeah. It was actually good that uh, my TVs didn't work very well in that room. 
So uh, that was a blessing. So we were able to actually concentrate on God more than that. And, but my, uh, I, yes, like uh, Mary said, uh, my confidence for praying for people, uh, that just, God just challenged me and, and have a faith in him. And like we were praying at, at the ladies' conference for the ladies and uh, we asked them to come in at the front for if they got sickness or anything. This young lady, young girl came and uh, I asked, what does she want to pray for? And she said, she's having a headache every day. She said she hasn't had the uh, days without the headache for a long, long time. So I prayed for her just in faith. I said, God, you do the work. As I finished the praying, I asked her, I said, do you have a headache? She said, no, it's gone. First time. So thank God he did the work. I was the vessel. And that teaches me that, you know, having that faith in God and really, yeah, pray for people when they ask the prayer, just able to pray, yeah. Yeah, besides being taught contentment and um, knowing full well that um, there is content as what we are and we've got more than they have, that God really spoke to me about that. But he also really spoken to me about really getting to know people, right? Not just, you know, contributing towards causes and not really investing in it physically, mentally, spiritually. And so now he's challenged me that, you know, get to know people, get to know their situation. If you think you want to help, then you help and certainly learn to pray for them and to help them understand what Jesus has done for them. Instead of just just being a Christian, being more active as a Christian, if, it, if that makes sense to you, not just I'm in the church and the church does this. What does Trevor do? What is he? What's his role? And is he reaching people's lives? Get to know them, understand their needs, and and help with that. Yeah, um, I think definitely we went in the week where usually I'm a planner, and uh, and I'm also very spirit led. But we didn't have a plan for this conference, and I could feel the weight, and I was like, oh gosh, and parents like, thank God you're like, and I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going to just tune into you, and I was just like to the ladies, well, what do you want? And then we just started planning. And I think even on Thursday, there was no plan, which was great. It was just really Holy Spirit. And I just felt really bold to step out in faith to share my story about the last couple of years of my surgery on the cysts or the issues that I've had a lot of cysts. And I just felt this prompting and I said, okay, I want to share it. And this young lady when we put them in small groups, because I got them to share their testimonies in a smaller group because we wanted to build some friendships and intimacy among the women. And afterwards, she was bold enough to share that she's had a surgery. She's only 23 years old. She's had a cyst in her. And I just felt bold enough to say, would you like prayer? Come out. And she did. And all of us, it was such a beautiful moment. The whole women came together around her. Her mama was there crying her eyes out. We laid hands, we put oil on her and we prayed, Lord, release her from this pain because this, this girl was in chronic pain. She told me the next day she's in no pain. Thank you, Jesus. Gets all the glory. What has taught me? 
it's just go with the flow. The Holy Spirit's got it. You just, just got to be available. You got to be ready and just got to, yeah, just love and just be there for people. Brilliant. So just uh, to highlight two more uh, things that we did just before we left so that you're aware, you might have seen a couple of photos there of uh, there was a night dinner that we put on. And what we did was we partnered with a local restaurant and we did a big spread. You know how we've got week of honor, a month of honor here? Well, we did a night of honor for the local pastors and their spouses. So you would have seen about just over 80 people there that we had fed and uh, brought all the pastors and leaders together, they don't get to do stuff like that. In fact, the last time that something like that was done was when we invited all the local pastors to our land when it was first given to us and we fed them up on the land. So something that you would have heard me say a number of years ago is that the Lord has blessed us to plant a church to help unite the church to be a blessing to the city. We are seeing a fruit of that right now. Bringing the pastors together, the feedback that I got from those pastors was so encouraging. It was incredibly encouraging. I had one pastor say, thank you for shepherding us in your shepherd's heart and pastoring us. Because uh, I, I, like, I look at these pastors or you know, the pastors up in India where Pastor Brett and Tom went recently, those pastors are literally putting their lives on the line. Many of these pastors have two and three jobs. They give their their flock um, of their own resource so that they go without, particularly over COVID where there were lockdowns and there was no money coming into the city. These guys have toiled hard and they have endured and they have persevered. So thank you for being a church that we can celebrate and appreciate them. I've also got one more photo of uh, that we got a meeting. This is actually a, a quite an exclusive meeting that we managed to get an audience with the chief, or they call him the king there. Have we got that there? So Tom and I went and we saw the chief, one of the wealthiest guys in the whole uh, of Zambia. He is the man that blessed us uh, as we came into the city. We didn't want to go and plant a church there a number of years ago without the blessing of the mayor and of the chief and of the local fraternal of pastors. He, he actually gave us 52 hectares of land, which is about 520,000, approximately 520,000 square meters of land. It is humongous, the amount of land that we've got. Such an incredible blessing. And Tom and I got to sit with him and pray for him. And as we were talking, uh, we were just thanking him. We were thanking him and he says, no, no, you shouldn't be thanking me. We should be thanking you. And I thought, man, the humility of this guy, he's got it all. He's given us land and he's saying, no, we should be thanking you. And then he said, have you, have you got access to water on that land? Have you found water at all? Uh, and, and we said, yeah, we found water. He goes, oh, really? He was surprised that there was water. Um, and I said, yeah, don't forget, we've got God with us. And I only found this out, the source of our water um, on this trip. So we had, as you know, invested into digging a bore into the ground about 70 or 80 meters deep into the ground. I didn't realize that what we had found was there's actually an underground river that runs underneath that farm. <laughs> so we have like a limitless supply of water, which we are, um, we are irrigating uh, for neighboring regions and villages. They all come as well. And we've got um, farming there. We've got tomato there. We've got sunflowers there. We've got solar panels there. We're gradually growing that. That church started, we hadn't intended initially to plant a church there. We started it uh, just to help kids. 
because the young children out in that region, they don't have access to education. That's how you're really going to impact a people is you educate them. So we thought, why don't we just teach them? So Pastor Alex and the team started training 10, 20, 30 children we have now. They all come, they walk over and we train them. And we thought, well, we've got 30 children and access to parents. Why don't we start a church? So we've started a church. Many of those people don't know Jesus. They actually don't. And even uh, if they do, many of the people, they go to local witch doctors when they because they don't have hospitals or, or doctors out there. So what else are they going to do based on what they know? They go to local witch doctors. So on the first launch service that we had, we're praying for people to be healed and delivered of afflictions, both physical and demonic as well. It was an eye-opener, wasn't it? It was a great service to launch a church with. I tell you what, God is doing good things in Zambia. Can we put our hands together for the team just as we finish now? Well done. Well done. You take the microphone, Pira. You're going to need it in the coming weeks, I reckon. <laughs> she wants my job, I told her. I don't think so. Oh, hello. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 2. You heard the words faith and grace a lot this morning. You know, one thing for us to remember, and I was reminded of as I was over there again, is that uh, God's grace comes as we take steps of faith. You would have also heard us. I mean, you don't need to get on a plane to be a missionary. We're all on mission. As soon as you leave those doors that I'm looking at right now, that's your mission field. How are people going to be saved? How are they going to be set free? How are they going to be healed? How are they going to be delivered? Look in the mirror. It's you and it's me. But we've got to get moving. We, and it takes faith. It takes faith. Um, it says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 to 10, For by grace, there we go, For by grace you've been saved through faith. For by grace you've been saved through faith. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Think about that for a second. Our salvation, we are saved, the Bible tells us, by grace through faith. By grace through faith. Now, what, what, what does that mean for the faith? Well, faith, you know, faith is a doing word. It's an action word. It means just believing, but you're still doing something with your heart. You're putting your heart in God's hands. You're trusting God. You're stepping out. Going on a plane is a stepping out action of faith. Opening your mouth is a stepping out. It's, an, it's, it's, it's a doing thing. It takes faith. When you lay hands on someone, it takes faith. When you put your hand up to follow Jesus, it takes faith. That's when grace comes. We talk about the grace of God over the last couple of weeks or the last few years. The grace of God was because we've stepped out in faith. I, I felt to just encourage all of us again this morning to never discount a step of faith. If you want grace in your life, move in the realm of faith. Trust God. Believe Him. Talk to someone. Pray for someone. Listen to someone. Open up your heart to someone. Have that step of faith and watch the grace of God come. Have the faith, faith to let go. Have the faith to forgive. Have the faith to give. And watch the grace of God come.
I want to pray to that as we finish as a church. But I also want to pray if you're here this morning and you, for the first time, you want to trust Jesus. You want to put your faith in his hands. If you want the grace, you need faith. Can we pray? Father, we thank you for the opportunity this morning to come together to hear about what you're doing in Zambia through your people. But we're reminded of grace that comes by faith. This morning, as we hear about testimonies of people being healed and delivered and things being started, launched, we see a testimony, we hear testimonies about who you're changing and transforming us. It's, it's all because of faith in Jesus. It's stepping out to see your hand of grace. I ask this morning that we would be a people of faith, that we would be able to see your grace. And for anyone this morning that needs to say yes to Jesus and put their faith in you, I pray for every heart to truly surrender to you. I pray for salvation in this house this morning. For those that are wrestling, I ask, Lord, for people that are struggling to let go. I ask, Father, that there would be forgiveness of sin in our hearts as we yield, surrender to you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done on the cross that makes all of this possible. We thank you for conquering sin and Satan and hell and death for us, for taking our place on that cross, that we would by faith have grace in eternal life. Lord, we ask that we'd be people of faith, knowing your hand of grace, not just today, but always. And all God's people said, Amen. Wonderful. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.